What's up, little mistakers? It's time for humor in mistakes. Uh, before we started this episode, though, I wanted to give you a little background on how my week's been. Uh, this was one of those weeks. This is one of those weeks when I uh, was talking to myself and saying, look, you don't have to release an episode this week. You can be lazy. It don't matter. But then I realized what my main goal was. So uh, if your brain starts being lazy and tells you not to do something, tell it to kiss your ass. Uh, This week's guest is Henry Copeland. And Henry is like one of those all around good guys, right? Like the type of person that would give you the shirt off their back. And like they have a nice shirt on and you want to ask for it because Henry looks like he does well for himself. So, But I'm like, it'd be weird if you asked him for his shirt. But he'd probably give it to you. You could probably pawn it and make a lot of money because Henry looks like he does well. But um, no, nah, Henry's one of those all around good dudes. And if you're... If you're if you, if you're having a hard day, you're you're uh, don't have a lot of money. Find Henry and ask him for a shirt. He'll probably give it to you because he's a good guy. Uh, but no, I'm excited for this episode. Henry has a lot of good insight. Uh, watch who you hang out with. Uh, hang around good people and you'll be fine. So I'm excited for y'all to hear this episode and shout out to Henry. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Humor in Mistakes with me, McNeil, here on 103.5 FM. Each week we have a guest on our show to discuss mistakes, mishaps, and missteps they made throughout life. We hope to find wisdom and a few laughs along the way. This week I'm here with Henry Copeland, voted most argumentative in high school. Uh, He's worked on Wall Street, reported from Eastern Europe, built websites for newspapers in France, and hosted virtual races to motivate people. One day, he's going to hear from Lauren Michaels. How are you doing, Henry? I'm great, McDill. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you, man. Uh, thanks for the hot chocolate. The, Dude, absolutely. Are you always so considerate? Uh, you know, I couldn't drink one without seeing you drink <laughs> one, so it was really selfish on my part. <laughs> Fair enough. I did not know I wanted hot chocolate until you brought it in, uh, and well, I was like... You squirrel sitting right there, and I was like, yes, I'm going to get it. There we go. There we go. So, Henry... Uh, the reason, well, not the reason why this happened, but um, the reason why I got finally scheduled because I'm very bad at scheduling things is because I saw you and you told me that you had almost died, and I just Twice. saw you on the street. Twice, baby. <laughs> I, just, I was like, "What? <laughs> hey, how's life going?" I'm like, "Yeah." Bye, bye. <laughs> You were you had just got done jogging, so that wasn't yeah, surprising. Yeah, I'm healthy now. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you told me you just died, and I was like, I need to have you on the show yeah, before you leave this <laughs> earth <laughs> officially. Uh, um, so tell me about yourself. Like, who is Henry? Like, how would you write uh, a oh, yeah. bio about yourself <laughs> <laughs> in like three sentences? In three sentences. Uh, uh, you know, I'm a guy who grew up in Ohio. Uh, I'm a guy who has really I don't know. You know, I've done a lot of fun stuff that I really enjoyed. 
And uh, it's great because at this point I've realized that the most interesting thing you can do is sit around and talk to people. Really? So, like, I'm, I'm done with traveling the world and seeing weird stuff. I'm just hanging out and talking to people in Carborough. So you lived that uh, that millennial lifestyle before it was before cool? Before millennials. <laughs> I was out there, man. You were just, Where I all had, did you travel? Uh, I had a lot of good luck. I lived in London when I got out of college. I, weirdly enough, just walked into a job there because a guy thought I was somebody different from who I was. Yeah. Wait, how, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> so... Basically, I went to London just thinking I was on a little trip after college, and I, somebody gave me a little slip of paper and said, oh, when you're over there, look this guy up. I got over there. I looked up the guy, and he thought I knew somebody that I didn't know, and he was like, Can I ask you a question really yeah. quickly? Yeah. How do you look someone up before the internet? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I, no, that's really, I, re- I really don't know. No, no, this was, Neil, this was a, a little slip of paper about two inches long with a name and a number scribbled on it, and I got to London, and I was like, Where's that script? You know, and so you you phone somebody up and you're like, hello, David Killebrew. And he's like, yeah, uh, who are you? And I said, oh, I, you know, Mort Swinsky's daughter gave me your number. Uh, And uh, and and he's like, oh, well, come in. Let's talk. And I went in to see this guy and he thought I knew Mort. He's like, you know, Morty. I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah, well, if you're a friend of Morty's, you're a friend of mine. And he offered (laughs) me a job. And I was I really it was a long time before he figured out Morty didn't know who the hell Henry Copeland was. Because <laughs> he, he literally, a few weeks later, he, you know, we talked to him on the phone. He said, you know, hey, Morty, I hired this, this Henry kid. And Morty's like, who's Henry? What are you talking about? But at that point, it was too late. So you were in. I was in. I was so in. So pretend so, like you know people to get jobs is what. Oh, be friendly and seem like you know what you're doing. Okay. That's the key thing. Okay. Uh, so you you took trips, you traveled around. I, I traveled here and there. So I lived there for a while. I lived, uh, moved back to New York, um, crashed with friends for a while, and then got my own apartment. Worked down on Wall Street. I was okay. there um, till '91. Then I went to Budapest in '91, where I was a journalist uh, for seven years, and then moved to Paris for some years, and then moved here. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, McNeil, it's a rabbit hole, man. We can go. We can spend the next couple of hours down there. So what? So what did you but, major in in college? Uh, that's one of uh, you my. You know, okay, good question. What did you major in? Uh, computer science. And Comp sci. Okay. okay. I was a history major, and the nice thing about a history major is what you learn is you can take any time and tell completely different stories about that time. You leave some facts out. You emphasize certain things, and you've got a completely different story. And that's really a helpful skill in life because what you learn is how much people can bullshit you. You know, if you're a drug maker, you can make a drug really look good by leaving out certain facts about the drug, right? I've never thought about history like that. If you're trying to, con- if you're trying to convince someone, convict. You know, if you're a prosecutor and trying to – you know, you leave out all the good stuff. And you just say, look, you know, he, you know, he drives a little too fast, and that means he's reckless, and he once kicked a dog. And, you know, and so the way you use facts is very, very powerful. And that's what a history major teaches you. I've never thought like so. So you're, what you're saying is you can take a part of history and just like leave out a couple of details. And well, and you know, let's talk about the town we live in. Let's talk about Silent Sam, you know. OK. But, you know, let's talk about the folks who want to say, oh, yeah, the Confederacy was a wonderful thing. And, you know, we're just celebrating heritage. It's like, well, you're leaving some stuff out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of details. It's <laughs> yeah, some important stuff you, you guys should remember about that period. And so 
but all stories fundamentally leave things out because otherwise our brains would explode, right? Okay. I mean, you have person personal bias when you're telling a story too, so you got to make yourself look like the hero. You, you always got to be the hero, uh, or your people, or or you got to be the victim. Okay, right? There's people no like middle. Be, people want you know all stories are constructed to say I did the right thing, and somebody else screwed me. Okay. Can okay. we say screwed on the radio? You can say, okay. say screwed. Okay. I do like to be the hero in my own story. Like, I, I'll uh, spruce it up a little bit. Like, I came right at the right time if someone needed saving rather than 10 minutes late because I'm always late to things. So, yeah. Well, you uh, were here early today. So. Yeah, I was. I was. I, <laughs> I was told it is professional to be on time <laughs> for your own thing. So. Uh, for your own thing. That's for good. Your, <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. So, what did you learn from just doing a bunch of different things? What did I learn? Um, so, one thing I learned was that I think very often life you're go, you're going down a path and you're so busy thinking about the things you're gonna do. I can pretty much guarantee you what you think you're going to be doing in five years is not what you think you're going to do. It's not what's going to end up happening. So, what's fascinating is we're always thinking that you know. Yeah, you got to keep pushing forward. You got to keep trying. But the thing you think you're going to do in five years, married with two kids or doing this kind of job, you're actually going to be married with four kids or married with zero kids or not married. And so don't get too caught up on what's ahead. Keep moving forward. Okay. But more likely, it's the girl sitting beside you in a bar that's not the girl that you were trying to meet that night, right? Right. That's kind of what I'm talking about. That's, that's how it happens. You, you know, it, yeah, it's not like that, you know, you, like, oh, look at her over there. That's my girl. It's like, no, it's this girl sitting right to your right. And, you know, so stuff is always – you got to be open to what's going to happen around you, like you and me running into each other on the street. And you got to say yes. Like if yeah. you say, hey, you want to come do my radio show? I'm like, yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, why not? So you don't stress a lot then? or do you- I, stress, I stress a lot less than I did when I was in my 20s and 30s because in those periods you like think everything's got to happen just right or you're screwed right right and when I you know you and I did some comedy together and you know a lot of the people that we were doing comedy with you could just tell they were so stressed about was life going to work out yeah and ultimately like you're going to live 60 more years if you're 20 and like as long as you keep behaving well don't go to jail don't go to jail don't harm anybody uh you're gonna have some good times and some bad times and just focus on having good times i don't mean like get high right now drop acid it's not it's about just like enjoy this moment have fun with the people you're with that's what Mama McNeil says. She adds on an asterisk to what, what you she say. What did she uh, say? So Mama McNeil says, because uh, I told her I really didn't know what I wanted to do right out of college. She said, listen, unless you get someone pregnant right now, you don't need to be stressing. That's <laughs> 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 yeah. That's, She's, that's the only, because you have to consider someone else's feelings at that point. Yeah, then you're... You, yeah. Then so, you're in the boat. Yeah, but she's like, so you can do whatever you want right now yeah. and not stress. As long as you, you know, you're, you're putting your heart into it, and as long as you're keeping your eyes open, and as long as you're meeting good people, a lot matters about who do you meet, and you know, like seeking out good people, smart people, funny people, nice people, because you pick up their ways of doing things. 
you're a good influence on them. They're a good influence on you. And it just, y'all just move And you together. move forward together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed is, uh, so we do comedy together. Yeah. And uh, you're good. You're very analytical on stage. <laughs> Uh, but, but which no, is which is no no but, for thinks too much no, and slows I, things down. No, I think way too much too on stage. Like if you if you ever see me do object work, oh. I, I, every now and then a coach will be like, "Yo, McNeil, what happened to that cup you were holding?" <laughs> I know the feeling. Weren't I, you? Weren't you Did you walk on stage with a cane? <laughs> like, oh yeah. Standing straight up now. I mean, you know, it's a miracle. <laughs> uh, so, but I was looking on your LinkedIn and uh, um, your some of your Medium articles, mm-hmm. and you do a lot without like people knowing that you do a lot. Like, I wouldn't if I hadn't like done the research, I wouldn't have been like Henry's doing all these things. Is that kind of how you operate? You just do what you want to do. Well, I mean, Batman can't let everybody know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, you know, I don't know. That's I, I'm not keeping secrets, but yeah, true, true. Because uh, some of your medium articles that I liked, uh, you had one that said uh, mind over body or mind mind meets body. Yes, uh, is that how you feel? Because like, oh, I, so okay, good question. I grew up thinking that you had your brain, and that was the thing, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I ran some cross country, but I did not understand that your body and brain are just absolutely one thing, right? And that when your body's happy, your brain is happy. When your brain is happy, your mind is happy. And when you're, it's just like, we're so connected with the world around us. And I think we spend a lot of time pretending that we're not. So so you're, what you're saying is if if you want everything to feel good, you got to work on everything. So you got to work on your body. You got to work on your mind. And you got to be around good people. And you got to be... I don't know if you recall, I think you and I have done a little bit of rap together. I'm terrible, right? Right. Well, then I didn't mean to say <laughs> no, right. No, 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 no. Yeah, you remember that. Yeah, exactly. You're like, yeah. Uh, but one of the amazing things about trying to do rap with people who are a lot better than you are is if I were to try to rap right now, I would not be able to. But if I were in a circle of people who were rapping, you start to forget the difference between me and you. And I'm sitting here going, you know, He's doing it so I can do it. We really absorb the patterns and the rhythms of the people around us. I mean, you know how it is when you're in a great improv scene. It just works. Exactly. And I always tell people, you just got to get in there. And it seems so simple with so many of life things. Like, if you want to do this, I'm just like, you, you have to do it. And you start doing it. Yeah. You, you know, this whole thing of fake it till you make it. It is true. You, you know, you don't fake it in a fake way. You just like start doing it and you get dragged along. Exactly. So and then eventually you'll figure things you out get better. And you, you start learning. Like last week I learned I've been doing this year and I learned that this knob right here controls my headset. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did not know that. Because there are a lot of knobs to learn there, my friend. <laughs> Well, last week I did not have my headset on, and it is a considerably on my part worse in- interview because I was like, "Why is my headset not working the entire time?" Oh wow! wow. And then at the end, I flip. I just like start playing with the knobs after the interview's over, and I was like, "Oh, now I there know." There it goes. There it goes. I know this. Learn knob. something every day, McNeil. No, that thing about that—that's one of the things I've been thinking. Like, I lived in Hungary twenty years ago, and that is, let's say, how many? That's about seven thousand days, and. 
the average child knows two to three to four thousand. The average young adult knows two to three to four thousand words. So if, I was like, if I could have learned a word in Hungarian every day for the last twenty years, it would have been very easy. I would be like a freaking you know Pulitzer Prize winning Hungarian poet, right? Yeah. But the fact is, I didn't learn a word a day. <laughs> So just steadily moving forward. Yes, a little bit chip, chip, chip. It's crazy. Uh, it, it sounds weird, but one of the I've learned a lot from my niece, who's two, right? And it's just because like she doesn't care about what other mm. people think. She's going to keep trying new things and keep trying it. And it's just so amazing to watch her from like not being able to walk to like falling and getting back up, falling and getting back up. And it's, it's just one of those things. Like if I had that mindset where it didn't matter, I'm walking no matter what what would happen. Now, that's why kids, they learn languages, they learn to ski, they learn judo, they learn all this stuff. And we're just like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. We should try to teach like three-year-olds improv. We should just get out there. Because think about, well, actually, they do do improv because they're like, this is a space station, you know? And it's like, look at the Martians out there. And they get it. They would have the object work down pat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So... Let's talk about some of the mistakes you've made along the way. All right. Um, well, you, you want to talk about the one that I told you about the night when we ran in? That was a mistake. Yeah. Oh, it was a mistake? Oh, dude. So, okay. So, early in 18, I started to slow down. And I was just like... 2018. Run. 2018. Yeah. I started to run shorter distances. I would have to walk sometimes. Uh, I would be taking naps, and I was like, wow, what is this? Did I suddenly get older? Something's weird here. But I never went to the doctor, and I never, you know, I didn't, you know, it's just like, this must be it. I've gotten older. My chest hair is growing a little bit more. I was like, I must be going through <laughs> menopause, right? And then, um, then around July, I started getting these jabbing pains in my ribs, right? And I thought, oh, I'm doing too many push-ups, right? Uh <laughs> How many push-ups do you normally do? I mean, then I was doing like, I would do three sets of 20. Nothing, right? But I'm thinking, oh, I pulled a muscle, right? And then it started getting worse. And then in early October one night, I couldn't sleep very well because the pains were really jabbing at me. But I'm still thinking, oh, I've been doing too many push-ups. I'm not putting anything together here. You know, not able to run as far, kind of out of breath, kind of, you know, got these jabbing pains and so I'm sitting there reading in the morning and I coughed and I held out my hand and I spit in my hand and there's this big puddle of blood right so mistake number one what do I do I'm like I'm not going to the emergency room on a weekend nobody goes to the emergency room <laughs> only amateurs go to you know what's it going to be it's going to be UNC students with hangovers uh, with broken wrists it's going to be Babies who are feverish. I don't want to go there. I'm, and then and then I think to myself. I think, you know what? It's been going on for six months. It's not urgent, <laughs> you know. And then I think, you know what? This is probably cancer, lung cancer, right? So I've like got the whole thing worked out. So I spend the day, kind of ignoring the fact that I'm regularly coughing up blood, and I'm totally rationalizing that there's no reason to go to the emergency room. So. Finally, 11.30 at night, I try to lie down and go to bed, and suddenly, boom, I'm in excruciating pain. (laughs) I'm like, screw it. I'm going to the emergency room. So I went in there like, oh, yeah, you got blood clots in your lungs. They do some tests, and they, by the way, they didn't make me wait in line. 
They're like, you know, <laughs> Mr. Copen, come right on in. We've got a special room for you and some champagne on ice and uh, some nice nurses to take care of you. So I went in and they said, you know, you're, you're fine. Uh, you know, take these blood thinners. And within 36 hours, your risk of dying is going to go way, way down. I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. They, I said, did I almost die? They said, yeah, you, you really should have come here as soon as you started coughing up blood. Is that like uh, for our listeners? So when you cough up blood, go to the hospital. That is a pro tip. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. Go, particularly if it's purple and the size of a, I don't know. Um, so, so that mistake one was I, you know, Again, this here's the history major thing. I created a story that made this horrible thing okay, right? Right. And so that was a mistake. But now there's a second part of the story is I'm sitting there in the emergency room at 2.15 in the morning, and they're like, you know, you can go home now because we've diagnosed it. We've given you your pills. You're going to start to feel better. Everything is fine. And I'm saying, I really don't feel good. And I'm thinking, Henry, these are professionals. You just almost screwed yourself by not – coming to the urgent room. Now they want you to go home. Go home. But I was still like, I don't feel good. And then they, you know, they said, well, we're going to give you a little shot of morphine, take the pain off, you know, take the edge off. You can think about it and we'll come back in an hour and then you can decide, wink, wink, to go home, basically. <laughs> so an hour goes by and um, the nurse comes in and she's like, okay, so Mr. Copeland, are you ready to go home? And I said, I'm really not feeling good. Hey, hospital beds are comfortable, man. They are. Well, and the thing is, I was in real pain. I was sitting there in terrible pain. I was like, I'm not feeling good. In fact, I'm feeling kind of nauseous. In fact, nurse, can you hand me a bucket? And she's looking at me. She's like, you are really white. And I'm like, oh, man. And I'm like, I'm really feeling <laughs> Maybe bad. Maybe it was the way you asked. Yeah. <laughs> a little too. So... So, yeah. Uh, so she calls in a doctor. So suddenly the ER, the, my little room is full of doctors, and they're looking at my heart rate, and it's going 60, 55, 50, 45. That's not the countdown you want. 40. And I'm sitting – no, it's not. I'm sitting <laughs> here going, this is like this straight-line trajectory, and I'm thinking this ends at zero really, really fast, right? <laughs> And then 35. This is your heart rate. This is my heart rate. 35 beats a minute. It's never been below 50 in my whole life. 30. And at this point, the doctor is looking at me. He's like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I can't see you because he's just gone black, right? But right before it went black, they're putting the paddles on my chest, right? And I'm sitting here going, oh, my God. I'm going to die. And I wish my kids were here. You know, this is terrible. I'm going to fuck. I'm going to die. And then 20, got down to 20, and they gave me a shot, and they brought me back like that. It's something called atropine, which basically speeds up your heart. So bottom line, I screwed myself. Here, mistake number one, not going to the emergency room fast enough. Mistake number two was almost listening to them. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. What's the conclusion of that? The conclusion of that is, you know, you, you do have to listen to yourself. But you also can't bullshit yourself too much. You so know? being honest with yourself and saying, like, I'm not going because I don't I'm feel well. I'm feeling, you know, I could have wrecked going home. A cop could have pulled me over, slumped down with a zero heart rate. Um, I don't know what would have happened if I'd gotten in the car and driven home. 
And so, they were like, we're going to check you in for the night. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. You just almost, so you don't have to talk too much about it, but what is that thought process like of you thinking, this is a wrap? Oh, no. I mean, it, you know, what's weird is I'm thinking, I don't see any angels. I don't see any tunnels of light. I don't, this is, I am sweaty. I am nauseous. This sucks. Oh, That's what it feels like to die okay. in my book. <laughs> 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 there, <laughs> no, no choir came out. No, there was no choir. There was no like you know singing angels. No, it was it was it was sad. I was just really like, oh, you know, I really like to say goodbye to my kids. That was well, really, less sweet. Yeah, so I I learned a really good mess. You know, the the biggest lesson I've learned is yeah, you know, tell the people around you that you love, you love them. You know, and mm. keep on doing it every day. I'm sure that's another Mama McNeil lesson. <laughs> it is. It is. You never don't go to bed angry. Uh, well, I can't really get mad at her and say uh, stuff I don't like to her because that's not allowed in the McNeil household. Okay. So I'm always okay. respectful. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Mama McNeil has a lot of good lessons. That's uh, good. Yeah. yeah don't, listen, listen to your parents. They really. I recently talked to someone, and they said they knew a 104 year old woman who. Uh, had been in the Holocaust, had had a lot of horrible experiences in her life and some very beautiful experiences. And the person said, wow, what's it like to be 104? And she said, it's not the pain in my knee. It's not the pain in my shoulder. It's not all the loved ones I've lost. It's the fact that I have all this wisdom and no one listens to me. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's so crazy. Because the thing is, as you get older, you start trying. And like this is me being 30. I like try to give my sister's advice. And I'm like, no, like I, I literally just did it five years before you. I, I, I'm just telling you that mom, you know, mom is right, and it goes in one ear and out the other. It, it really <laughs> people have to make mistakes for themselves, and it's what's advice you give your sisters without prying? Oh no, no, uh, just so for example, you have to do what you want and um, really go after it. So uh, one of my sisters, she stops at the first no. And I'm always like, oh, wow. yeah, stops the first no. I'm like, you got, you got to keep going. Good. Like, and, but I don't know what I'm talking about yet. So I just think that she has to just do it herself. Um, we really do. Everybody's got to make their own mistakes. And that's the pain of being 104. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then, you know, the, the typical you're hanging out with the wrong people type stuff. But I can't say give them my number because I'll tell them that. I mean, sometimes people listen to somebody other than their brother or their mother. True, true. Uh, it, because yeah, that's the most important advice in life is hang out with the right people because oh, yeah. they'll take you with them to great places. They'll take you on their special jet to the Bahamas. I was just trying to uh, delay them that time. There was a time when I was like, I am in the wrong place right now. I was in uh, college and there was this kid. We all knew he was crazy, like. Just a crazy kid who liked to fight, right? And so he got into a fight and he got beat. And then he came back with the uh, uh, football helmet. And I was just like, uh, "This is not, I'm I'm in the wrong spot right wow. now." Like I'm I know I shouldn't have hung out with this kid. And then yeah, I left. But you did leave, good. Yeah, you know I left that day. But uh, yeah, he beat the kid with the uh, with the football helmet. Yeah, that's not good. And I'm just like. That was one of those times when, uh, have you ever seen, like, Boys Meets World, like, the 
the um, the third person comes in is like, how did I get to this moment? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was one of those. Yeah. Like, McNeil, as he was walking, I was like, how did we get here? <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. Can we rewind, please? Can we rewind very quickly? Yeah. Um, so you almost died. And what have you been doing since then? I saw you running. Yeah, I'm still running. And I'm uh, working on, there's a blog post that I'm working on around, you know, I wear a Fitbit. Okay. Um, and it's a Fitbit that cool, shows me cool heart rate data. I will tell you that currently my heart rate is probably a little, it's 66. Okay, so you're nice and calm. I'm calm. Okay, I'm good. calm. Um, but what's fascinating is, think about it this way. You go to see a doctor once a year, they take your heart rate for 30 seconds or even for five seconds. And out of that, they're like, oh, well, you know, you're healthy, or, you know, or, or, you know, take your temperature or this thing is providing every three seconds. It's taking a reading that you can graph. And there's other. So heart rate is just the beginning of it. There's something called resting heart rate, which is like the lower your resting heart rate. There's now data that shows the lower your resting heart rate, the longer you're likely to live. That's number one. Number two um, the more you exercise every day, if you can go from zero minutes to 40 minutes, you will drop your resting heart rate roughly six beats. So like just exercising 40 minutes a day. 40 minutes a day will make an extraordinary difference, not only in how you feel, but in how long you're going to live, right? So what's fascinating to me is that these, this little device is generating an incredible amount of data about how healthy I am. But here's the thing. You don't know who owns this data. It ain't Henry. <laughs> Put it that way. It's Fitbit because Fitbit's terms and conditions say Fitbit owns the data. And everybody, you know, Will I Am was just po- quoted, quoted in the or wrote an article in The Economist saying, oh, you know, having our, owning our data is a human right. That's the theory. The practice is no. So, for instance, you know, you own your house, let's say, and that's true, but you don't own the data around it. For instance, you don't own the number on the house. You don't know how much the house costs. You don't know the description of the house. All that belongs to other people. So in the same way, this data is not mine. Now, I can access it, but it's really hard to access it and draw conclusions from the data that could have, this is what the blog post is about, that could have predicted or given me more insight into what was coming. Well, then you also have to ask yourself, what are they doing with all that data? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, and, okay, so, you, I, you know, everybody knows different things about credit. I don't know. Do you know about your credit score? Yeah, Okay, yeah. so companies like Experian take, you know, how much money you owe in your bank loan, how often you pay it back, all that kind of data, and they create a credit score. And they basically say how tr- trustworthy you are when it comes to money. Now, what you may or may not know is some jobs you go to will say, oh, we want to know your uh, experience score, right? Right. Now, you know about that, but what you don't know is that this data can give insight into your mental health. You were telling me that. You were telling me that uh, companies can predict whether or not you're depressed. They can predict whether perhaps, you know, depression even, you know, tending towards suicide, you know, if you take all of the data that's out there about you, how often do you go to the ABC store, right? True. McNeil's been going once every six months. Oh, now McNeil's going once every three months. Now McNeil's going every week, right? That data is out there. You couple that up with this data or your cell phone data that shows that you used to uh, walk six miles a day. 
then you walk four, then you walk three, now you're not leaving your apartment. That's a really negative trend. Now, here's the scary thing. They will know that about you before you know that about you. Because you don't, we don't think beyond this moment. We don't see trend lines, right? Yeah. I kind of know how I am today. I know how I was yesterday. I don't know that six months ago I was walking three times as much as I'm walking now. I don't know that six months ago I was going to the ABC store a lot less than I'm going now. So these third parties, what's happening now is in the same way that Experian creates a credit score, there are companies out there that are creating mental health scores. And before you know it, you're getting a job is going to depend on, you know, is McNeil uh, trustworthy? Uh, is he impulsive? Oh, without them even knowing. Without you even knowing why you got the job or not. You can do that. I mean, I know you can do that with data, but I didn't think that it was going that That's, far. It's going that far that fast. And the thing is, you would like to have that data. You would like to have a nudge maybe that says, hey, maybe you shouldn't go to the bar. <laughs> you know, you've been like going to the bar. wake-up call. Yeah, a little wake-up call. Exactly. I could have gotten a wake-up call with this data saying, oh, wow, you know, there's something that's um, called heart rate variability, which is how fast does your heart rate adjust to a situation, right? So if you're running and stop running, how, how fast does it come down? Or when you're, something bad happens, how fast does it go up? The more variable your heart rate is, the more positive it is. And that reflects mental health also. That's in here. I, f- I feel like that would be better than an intervention, like a bunch of your friends come around, like a computer coming and be like, just send you an email like, hey, hey, Henry, what's going on, bro? McNeil, that's exactly, <laughs> or, you know, that's exactly what I think is should be happening. But the thing is, you don't have millions of dollars to pay for that data. UNC Health does, and Blue Cross Blue Shield does, and your employer does. Um, so we're not going to see the data about us. We're not going to know that we've gotten these, you know, negative ratings, you know. So it's a really – I mean, it's a potentially very positive period, right? That could be the most amazing dating app Ever like there's no more uh, there's no more because you know like the I'm first, talking about saving people's <laughs> lives and you're talking about dating McNeil oh my god well I'm talking about uh, your no, line goes there <laughs> no no but what I was saying was like it could get you past the first three months <laughs> oh I see yeah it's like because uh, you know the first three months tends to be like the who their presentation internet cell like interview self I see. so like yeah you take the mental health and like you get this is who they really are. No, and, and, and no, absolutely. Or, you know, we all lack perspective on ourselves, yeah. right? There's a reason you go to get your hair cut. You could do it yourself, but it look really bad in the back because you, you can't see it. <laughs> I used to cut my own hair. I, <laughs> I got a little broken college, Henry, and, uh, yeah. And now, yeah, you know what happens. Oh, yeah. Right? It, there's a couple times I had to go ball-headed because I, I messed myself up. <laughs> so we need other people. And I think that's the value of therapists and friends and, you know, loved ones is people to say, wait a second, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? What's going on? What's going on with you? Right. So how did you become so introspective? Pooh, that's a, did you think I'm introspective? Did I say I was introspective? You, you seem introspective. You, you saying all the things that an introspective person would say about, uh, you're looking at this data and seeing mm-hmm. how it could mm-hmm. assess you. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it's something that you did yourself. Yeah, no, I'm. I, you know, I guess. And you're, you're pretty healthy. You're walking from around. What I see, you're walking around and you're thinking, and you're, you know, you have loved ones and you're thinking about them, and 
you know, you see it. There's a lot of unhappiness in the world, right? Very and true. if you could figure out how to reduce that, be big, okay. be big, which is why you and I do, you know, it's, it's kind of the subject to your whole podcast and it's why people do humor. It's like you're trying to, you know, deal with the, the pain of being human. Right. Very true. Very true. And help people out and let them know that they can always change and go forward. That they can change and that there's love and, you know, laughter is like human beings dealing with stuff. So I want to ask you a, a question from an expert. Okay. Or, well, not from an expert to an expert. Um, tell me about this run or high thing. Oh, man. Like, oh, is it's it, there, it, baby. Is, is it? Yo, totally. I hear mixed things. Like, some people say it does. Some How people far say, have you ever run? I think I've ran two miles. Okay. Like, I, yeah, without stopping. Do you run with music? Uh, normally, but I run better without music. Okay. Let me, I know that you meditate. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about your meditation. I am a, I like to be instructed the first five minutes. Okay. Like, guide it. And then I want them to slowly cut out. Okay. Uh, so I found like a couple apps that'll do that, like start out kind of heavy at first and then be quiet later on. So what happens? What's the best thing that's ever happened to you meditating? Uh, the best thing that ever happened was I was watching a YouTube video and it was guided and then it automatically went to an unguided one and I wasn't keeping track of time. And then after like 20 some minutes, I was like, this has been a lo-. like I finally was like, this has been a long wow. time. Wow. And it and it was just a YouTube video of like a alpha waves. Okay, um, but I haven't been able to recreate that yet. Okay, okay. So I think so. Here's the thing. So part of meditating sometimes involves thinking about breathing. Yeah. Am I right? Is yeah. that the kind you do? You thinking about breathing? It and- does. I start out that way, and then focusing like like a body scan, mm-hmm. and then eventually try to do it without thinking about anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's. I think there's a lot in common between meditating and running, right? Because think about we spend so much time in our heads worrying and thinking and going through all these scripts that we've got of this and this and this and this. And something about, I think, running and meditating is that you, uh, you're you dealing with, you know, you're, A, you're thinking about your body. When you're running, you're like, my feet hurt, my calves hurt, my knees hurt, my butt hurts. You know, you're yeah. going through that. And then you're thinking about, I'm breathing too fast. You know, but eventually as you run, you've thought about that stuff so much that it stops. And the monologues you're going through your head kind of slowly stop. And then eventually, sometimes on a long run, like for me, somewhere between five and ten miles, I can start to hallucinate um, in a really cool way. I had this one where I was in Umstead Park and I was running and it was the end of a long, hot run. And I felt like my feet were spinning the globe beneath me. So each step I took was pushing the whole globe beneath me. And it was just the most amazing feeling. I've, I've had other – so it is a high, but it's a very, like, profound meditative high. How long do you have to be running for that to happen? Because I feel like I give up. Well, that's the thing, between 5 and 10 miles. Okay. So for me, between, you know, 45 minutes up. But the other thing is you can't do – I mean, I used to run with music. It never happened, right? Because yeah. music is distracting you. There we go. What you need to do, it's like you can't meditate with music. you got to be like – you got to get to the quiet place, and then your body and mind just do weird stuff. 
Can I be honest with you? That was one of the hardest things I've ever had to accept in life. And it sounds funny. The hard work? Uh, no, not that. Be, being a person who could not listen to music and work out. Wow. Cause that I was just a see, hard thing? It was. I see so many people doing it. <laughs> and they'll have their music and they'll be into it. And it was just one of those things. I was like, I'm just, I'm different. Like, I just got to. Uh, yeah, so I work out better without music, but it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I'm different in this way. You yeah. are different, McNeil. No, I mean, that. no, it is. It's wild how we once did a little session at work. We had 10 people around a table, and I thought we were just going to talk about motivation, and it was going to be obvious. We we're going to, like, come up with one definition on the wall, and we we're all going to agree about what motivation was. Everybody, that word means something different to everybody. We're all profoundly different up here. We have these words that we think, like, the word love means very different things, as you know from relationships. Oh, like definitely. What it means to one person is something completely different to another person, right? So very true. It's great that you, you know, you figured out what works for you working out. Okay. So, Henry, uh, what, I was thinking of my next question for you. Um, let's when talk. are we getting high? <laughs> I say that because I've noticed in your interviews um, you're a lot like Joe Rogan. Except for you're not getting your guest well, stoned. We'll see because I can't bring it into the radio station. Okay. Yeah. Because honestly, do you listen to Joe Rogan? I do. Okay. I do. He's a phenomenal interviewer, and you are also a very, you're like the Joe Rogan of Carbro, except there's no <laughs> But here's the thing if you did offer me some, I'd turn it down because I get paranoid and nasty. So I get paranoid too, man. I, it opens my thoughts too much. It's, for me, it is more of an idea generation, and then the ideas have to be executed while sober. So, what does that mean? So, like, I can think of crazy ideas, and I have to write them down, right? So, I okay. just write a whole bunch of ideas down, whatever it is. Don't even question it. And then I have to use my sober brain to go through and be like, you know what? That joke, nope, that'll get you That'll get you kicked off air. Yeah, that joke, I got it. I got it. I got uh, it. But then some of them have turned into really great bits, so That's I, good. I have to be careful. Good, good. Um, no, I got to be careful just because I'll start saying nasty things to people I love, and it's just a bad idea. You just, you just, you lose the filter. I, it's not that I lose the filter; it's that because I, I start to just not see the world as the loving place that it is. Okay. And I start trying to be funny, and my funniness in those situations is more bitter and biting, and it's just like, no, <laughs> don't, don't do, do that, that Henry. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, okay, so I, I remember my next question now. Um, so right now you are you own your CEO, you're steering the ship. CEO is a big word for a little company, my okay. friend. I have real trouble even with the word president. We have like 11 people. Okay. It's a fantastic group of people. Um, so I'm proud to lead. <laughs> okay, you're steering the ship. You're... Uh, I'm steering the ship. Okay, for a company called Racy or Racy. Well, Racery. so it's yeah. So Racery is actually about four people. Okay. Um, that does virtual races for often companies. What's a virtual race? A virtual race is you you run every day for a month. I run every day for a month, and we see who's run the most miles. So okay. Have you ever done Step Challenge? I uh, did it with my grandma once. There you go. That's and fantastic. she destroyed me and wow. my sister. Wow. Yeah, my grandma walks about six or seven miles a day. Wow. Except for the weekends. That's what's fun about these things is it's often older people who are just really persistent who win, right? It's not about miles per hour. Exactly. And the thing is, I saw my grandma's competitive nature came come out because she just randomly texts us about it. Should we all sign up? I was like, yeah, I'll do that. 
And then, like, I was beating her the first week, and then I saw her competitive nature come out. Wow. Which I hadn't seen. She's, like, a, in a while. Like, she's a 73-year-old woman. And she was out there, instead of seven miles, walking 10 one day. And she's showing off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, A, people like to compete with each other. B, they like to show off. It's just, it's like a form of communication. Just, like, letting you know that she's gone 10 is much more meaningful than her just going out walking 10 alone. Exactly, exactly. She had me... I took a day off work to go jog one day, <laughs> but it was in two mile spurts. So that's what we do. That's so we take those. So you're what what your grant? Where does she live? Uh, she lives in uh, Cary. Okay, so she could have used our software to create a virtual marathon in Cary, uh, a route, and then as she was doing those miles, she would put them in our system, and we would show the street views. We would send you a note saying your grandmother just passed you. So we got all these things, bells and I, I whistles. I don't want that note. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's very humiliating. Your grandma just passed you for the third time. Um, she's laughing you. She's laughing. And she can leave comments. She can taunt you. She can clap you. She can. Um, so it's really fun. It's it, it. The big problem, I mean, you know and I know that out of a thousand people, I mean, here's, here's a fact. Out of, well, 30% of Americans are now obese. Yeah. And that is going up one percentage point a year. So in 20 years, half of America is going to be obese. What does that mean? It means people are going to be dying because you get obese and potentially you've got diabetes. You've got all these problems, right? And healthcare costs are going to go up. And so it's really important to try to figure out how to motivate people. The guys in the gym, the women running down the block, you know, they're fine. It's the people who are sitting on the couch saying, I can't do that. How do you get them to do this stuff? It catches up to you because, I, I mean, I've dropped some pounds now, but about a year and a half ago, I got a little chunky, man. Cause, wow. Well, because I was uh, nine to five life. You make yes. you skip one day, then you skip two days, and you skip another day. I agree. No, that's the hardest. That's I really learn that like every day you don't exercise you're building a habit of not exercising exactly. right you're building habits one way or the other and you gotta like keep building the good habits or you're building bad habits exactly it's, e it's either or like there's no in between like you have to you have to keep working out yep no that's so that's what racery does um and i'm trying to figure out a way that racery could play a role in this thing that the problem i described to you which is how do we take all this data that's out there about people and turn it into healthy information for them that would help, you know, say, hey, McNeil, you, you seem a little depressed. Get a friend and go for a walk. That'd that be good information, especially if you catch people before they're down in the dumps. Like, you catch them on the way. Like, before they know. Yeah, bef yeah, before they know it. Yeah, yeah. like, maybe you predict, oh, because with the data, you could probably predict, like, oh, they haven't been texting so-and-so anymore. They probably broke up with this person. A month in, you're like, hey, get up off the couch, man. Exactly. Bef before it's too late. Exactly. I mean, that's the powerful. The weird thing about Facebook, weirdly enough, is that it might be a very effective um, health tool, right? You take away all the ads, and then you just use it as – and this is creepy, right, for them to be like our hospital. Yeah. But it turns – you know, here's the thing. American health care currently 18% of gross – domestic product, i.e. 18% of the economy is uh, healthcare right now. And that's twice what it was about 30 years ago, right? Yeah. So our economy is just being consumed by healthcare. Um, you know, eventually, 
we're not going to be able to afford to live because of the cost of health care. But what we need to do is prevent people from becoming sick rather than waiting until they have heart attacks or waiting until they have diabetes, right? So anything we can do to get in front of that whole problem. Because Big Brother's coming. Like, it's pretty much here. Well, Big so, Brother's here. That's the argument a friend of mine makes. Is So you know, if it's going to be here, then we might, might as well benefit <laughs> from it and catch people before they fall off the edge. Like that. I mean, that is, you know, it, it's either that or... Uh, spend 50 percent you know every every freaking business in this country goes out of you know goes out of business because you they can't afford to pay health insurance there you um, go but this is boring for your listeners no, oh my god not, this is not, not funny this no 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 because no, no. it, it, it's it's a because i like to learn too so like some i'm actually interested because i'm a conspiracy theorist oh are by you the way. really let's talk about conspiracies <laughs> so the whole big brother you know i i I've always been against Big Brother, but now, like, you've made a counter-argument that is very – it's here. There's nothing we can do about it. So if if we can alert people like, hey, man, you've been drinking for the past week. What's going on, bro? Like, if That would be a good text message to send, it, it, and it's, it lacks the – you don't have to worry about your pride because it's coming from a computer and not from a friend. Well, I can solve that for you. You don't have to worry about your pride. It's not a text. It's your Alexa. Do you have an Alexa? Uh, I do not. She's going to say in the sweetest voice ever. Right now <laughs> she talks with a computer voice, but it, the software is there for her to speak with a super sexy voice. It's yeah. going to be like, McNeil. <laughs> Or, or it could it could be even better. Like you, uh, what if you had voices that could get through to you? Like somehow they know, like your grandpa was influential in your life, and now your grandpa's like, yo, son, what you been doing? <laughs> you think you think I because <laughs> you think because I left twenty years ago, you could just mess up your life? <laughs> you walk in, you come in at three in the morning, and you're banging around in the living room, and there's this. Grandpa, what you been up to, son? You you recreate that moment from The Lion King when uh, Mufasa (laughs) comes down and has a life lesson with Simba. (laughs) No, so we're laughing, McNeil, but this is Sue. Here's the point: it is happening right now. It's just not happening in a good way. This information is getting used against you. It is out there, right? Yeah, and you know. There is so much data about you right now. I mean, think about it. Uh, your car, every time you flip your turn signal, that is being recorded in a little black box, right? Very soon or now, that data is going to be used saying McNeil doesn't use his turn signal, right? I actually don't. See? I knew it. I can <laughs> tell. So here's the thing. Not using a turn signal uh, is actually very bad for your health, right? Really? You're oh, What? Well, it's, I would say that uh, 8 a.m. traffic has made me, and I was a very careful driver, but it has made me steadily a more aggressive driver. How many accidents have you been in? Zero. Okay. Zero. All right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but statistically, turn signals are an indicator of a cautious driver because it means you're letting the people around you know what you're up to, and that reduces the odds of an accident. Uh, speaking of my sisters, I had that conversation with my sisters because they, <laughs> they well because they always are talking about my grandmother's driving. My grandma drives very slow, is very right. cautious, right? And one of them, all of them have had tickets except for one and caused accidents before. Wow. So I was like, well, you know, when grandma gives you driving tips, she's been driving 50, 50 some years, never caused an accident. And she's alive, exactly. And I'm like, so never gotten a speeding ticket. I was like, 
technically she's the expert driver <laughs> and they're pushing back on her they're pushing i was like you have no like i was like maybe i could argue with her because i've never gotten anything either yeah but like still she outweighs me through years but i was like you've gotten two tickets you've got you don't have the expertise to argue uh, but they pushed back. So is her advice around turn signals or speeding? Turn, or Turn signal speeding, you'll get, it's better to get there late than not get there at all. Yeah. Like typical, you know, yeah. older person stuff where they think about the bigger <laughs> picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slow down. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so we do have a, a special part of this. All right. uh, well, I wanted to ask you one more question, though. Uh, you seem like a, uh, you're, you're a hustler. You get things done. Um, has this always been your mentality? And if not, then how did you develop it? Uh, Because you went to, you're a what, Yale guy? Yes, that's accurate. (laughs) That's Uh, prestigious. I, I, yeah, um, I went to, I, you know, I grew up in Ohio and I think they needed more people from Ohio. I'm not kidding. Okay. Um, you know, they need more public school people from Ohio. I went to a public high school. Uh, I was really, again, I was very lucky. I had 15 kids around me who were super smart and super motivated, smarter than me and more motivated than me. Okay. So I think my skill in life is finding the right people to be around, honestly. So, like, life is just so much easier when you're in the boat with smart people who are motivated. That's what I found out when I joined CrossFit. Um, I was feeling bad about not working out as much as them. Wow. Because they're always, they're always like, they eat right and all that. And I'm like, well, I guess it's okay to feel, I used to, I try to avoid it, but like, is, is it okay to feel bad about not living up to your expectations and your goals? And I was like, yeah, that's a good thing. So live up to them. And so, yeah, I, I do think when people joke about drinking the CrossFit Kool-Aid, it's like, it's, it's a good Kool-Aid. You're oh, it's a great out. Kool-Aid. No, and that's an, ex- that's a perfect example of it's easier when the people around you are doing it, right? Yeah. If you're getting up alone in the morning and doing stuff, it's hard. Yeah. If you're getting up and joining a group, people love to be around other people, right? True. And very if those true. people are good people going places, you're going to be good and go places too. Very true. Very true. So I want to hit you with the special part of the, the special part. I'm, yeah, I'm going to w- put my glasses back on <laughs> for this part. Uh, yeah. I want you to do uh, a motivational speech. Like, what do you think uh, a, a group of middle schoolers needed to hear, or or younger Henry, if you were giving yourself a motivational speech, a TED talk, if you will, a TED talk. And yeah. remind me how long this is. Uh, well, I'm going to put on some music, so you might need the headphones for this okay. part. Okay, all right. And then, um, oh Jesus, man. <laughs> I'll put on the music, and you have about a minute and a half. But you can stop early, or you can keep going. It's up to you. Uh, So let me know when you're ready. Oh, I didn't. I I can start the music over. All right. (laughs) Yeah, let me know when you're ready. I left my typewritten speech at home, McNeil. It's all good. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, We're gathered here to mourn the fact that 80 years from now, you're going to be dead. Nobody around you is going to care about that. You're dead. You're gone. The only person that's going to be sad is you. Because you will have forgotten to live. You will have forgotten to grab Susie by the hand and say, Susie, let's go to the movies or to hug your buddy Bobby when you had the chance to hug him. 
or to say to your mother, Mom, thanks for kicking my ass out of bed this morning. <laughs> so boys and girls, grab the opportunity right now. Take your crayons out and scribble on the wall. Take a shower every day. Brush your teeth every day. Live every day. Thank you for inviting me to join you, boys and girls. <laughs> they appreciate that. Uh, those middle schoolers now know that none of them are going to make it to about 90. <laughs> you know, I'm in a morbid mood, man. That's the bottom line. Hey, that's what, uh, I'm looking at the big picture. That's what a death scare does to you. So what do you want to leave the people with? Like, what do you got going on? What would you want them to know? Uh, what have I got going on? I, I'm gonna. I'll recommend a book. Do you, what yeah. are you reading these days? Uh, right now, I'm reading "Crushing It" uh, by Grave. Oh, Vinercheck. Yeah, Vinercheck. Yeah. That's how you say his name. Yeah, I'm reading uh, "Crushing It" right now. It's very good. I like it. Um, and then I'm also reading the improv book so I can coach one day. Which book? Uh, what is it called? Uh, everyone book? for improv. Improv for everyone. Something like that. I think that's the UC Bell book. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, yeah so I'm reading that one right now too. Which is good. It's very technical, and I tend not to be a very technical improviser. I'm just like, well, go get up there and make people laugh. That's but I got to learn the rules. That's the name of the game. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to make a book recommendation, which is uh, it's a book a friend gave me four years ago when life was really confusing, and I just was really like, I don't get what's going on. It's a book by a woman named Pima Chodron, C-H-O-D-R-O-N, and she's a Buddhist monk. Um and it is a compilation of a bunch of speeches she's given, and she gave them, gave them, gave them, and they became really beautiful. And each paragraph in it is really gets you. But the basic message is we spend an awful lot of time building things that protect us from life, the pain of life and the joy of life. We build plans, we build schemes, we build, you know, controls, we make plans all trying to keep ourselves from thinking about the fact that, you know, any moment now, a bus could come slamming through this window and take us both out, right? Uh, yeah, I met a lady recently who, who learned that she got uh, very sick and ended up going through her life savings, mm. and uh, she told me that that was one of those things, like she had, she was uh, 37 when it happened, something like that, and uh, yeah, she was like, it completely changed her perspective, and she'd always been like, "Plan, plan, plan." And no, that's where I'm at. I mean, you you know, you do need to save because yeah. you don't want to be penniless. But yeah. and I'm not saying like, "Hey, you know, buy some crack and smoke it right now because <laughs> you're just gonna live right now." No, the yeah. point is, you know, just like this may be the best day of the rest of your life, right? Yeah. I mean, there could be a nuclear war tomorrow. You could have a stroke tomorrow. Very true. Loved ones could die tomorrow. So, like, maybe this is the best day of the rest of your life. So, freaking live it like it is. Enjoy it. Exactly. And that's what we'll leave the people with. Live today like it is the best day of your life. This was Humor and Mistakes with McNeil and Henry Copeland. We're here on 103.5 FM every single week. Uh, remember, everybody makes mistakes, but it's okay. Don't stress. Uh, build your tree. Plant your seed. Uh, all these things we've been learning over the past couple weeks. Uh, thanks again, Henry, for being on the show. And uh, y'all have a good week. Thank you, McNeil.